Sports Ethos New York Knicks Podcast with Andre Gallagher. Let's get right to it. Two road victories for this New York Knicks team when everyone thought they were dead in the water. Fire Tibbs. Trade this guy. Trash, trash, tank. Julius Randle calls a team meeting. Everyone on Twitter is joking on him, clowning him. Talk about accountability. The worst accountable player on the roster. Objectively. With no shades, Randle. He's the one guy on the roster who is not held accountable. RJ is a close second, but not even that close. Not after the benching in OKC, but that seems to have a lot to do with illness. Now that we know a little bit more about the situation. But Randall... Randall can miss assignments, not box out, not get back on defense, not block a shot, not contest. He's right back in the game. And everybody knows the history with Obi getting pulled after one mistake. Not so much the case now, but that was the history. So the guy who has the least amount of accountability is calling a meeting talking about the message was accountability. And everyone had jokes for it. I'm not quite that simple minded. Even though he's the worst at it. The fact that he would even discuss it was a positive thing. And now you're seeing the results of it two games in a row now. And if you had any doubts whether or not this team wanted Tibbs to be here, you don't anymore. After that game in OKC, I saw a lot of talk on Twitter about how the team is quitting on Tibbs. They don't want to get a young coach. Mike Mike Breen was in Wally Zerbiak were dropping subliminals in the Utah game talking about young coaches being a trend in the NBA. They thought they were shading Thibodeau. Listen, there is no question. This team wants Tom Thibodeau here. There's no question. If you had any question, you don't, you don't need more. It's done. That road winning Utah, there's nothing. You can't take away anything from it. I know I said on this show that they might be able to steal one in Utah. I was crazy. I don't even know what I was thinking. I pretty much thought they'd get lucky coming off of, coming off a bad loss. You know, teams sometimes they, they hunker down. That's all it was. Luck. Luck. And, and you don't really have, even though Markinen is having a great, great season, he's not, you know, necessarily an unstoppable force like SGA or Durant or guys like that. DeJounte Murray, all of a sudden. So I thought maybe the Knicks, you know, played with some heart. They might get lucky in that. And that's exactly what happened. But they outplayed Utah in every aspect of the game. Even outshot them from three. The Knicks shot 34% in that game. And and, uh, Utah shot 32%. You know, the Knicks can't shoot from three. After getting... There's socks blown off by OKC and even by Brooklyn a, a couple games prior. The Knicks were all over Utah at that three-point line. Of course, they're going to give up some open shots. Every team does. Every time I hear, I, I swear to God, I thought Mike Breen, Hall of Famer, but I thought he was going to tell us and beating our heads every time somebody got an open shot. Listen, guys get open shots in the NBA sometimes. It happens. You just need to limit it. And Utah did miss some open shots. That's what happens in real life. Real life, people don't shoot 54% from three like OKC did in that game. 
Guys miss shots. And Utah missed them at home. There's no excuse. I actually saw Nick fans on Twitter saying the win was meh. What? What kind of fan are you? I don't understand. Why are you rooting for the team to lose? What is the point of that? You are watching the game. When the Knicks lose, they're on all over Twitter criticizing everybody under the sun. So you're not happy when they lose, and then they're winning. You're not happy that they won. What are you doing? What are you doing? What kind of game are you playing? You sitting down watching the game, hoping the team loses. And then when they lose, you fire the coach. Why do you want to fire the coach? You want to fire the coach and bring a whole other coach in here so you can root for him to lose? What are you doing? Oh, no, that's not what's going to happen. They're going to root for the new coach to win because that means that they were right. It's not the winning that they're looking for. They're looking to be right. It's ridiculous. How are you not pumped after that Utah game? After you heard stories about the Knicks going out to dinner with each other, bonding, trying to regroup, the coach's job is on the line, and they go in Utah, a game that 99% chance they were going to lose, and they went in there and won the game? And you're upset? What What is your problem? What is your problem? Ridiculous. The game, the game brought them to 500. We've been talking about this since the preseason. This is a team that's going to be around 500. Drill it into your head. This is what a 500 team looks like. What are you upset about? I'm Listen, I'm not going to act like I don't get mad too. You Listen, when you're watching the games and you're seeing things you don't like, of course you're going to get mad. You're going to get frustrated. You want to get better. But when it does, you get, you're happy. Not some of you fools. What are you doing? That was a big time win in Utah. A response. And you saw Jalen Brunson down the stretch of that game do exactly what you, what most of us knew he would do. He was a go-to guy. He carried them down the stretch. He would not let them lose. Would not let them lose. Give Brunson credit. The Knicks only had, what, how many turnovers? 12 turnovers in that game. They turned Utah over 20 times. Well-coached team. Good, solid players all around. You got nothing out of Sexton. I told you Sexton was going to try to torch the Knicks because he wanted to come here. He was a trade target. He had nothing in that game. One of the worst games he had all year. The Knicks are ready to go in that game. Give him credit. What are you mad about? Then you get to this Denver game, boy. When you heard Joker wasn't playing, I heard Joker wasn't playing right after... I did the last show. We talked about Denver was a guaranteed loss if Joker was playing. The Knicks never win in Denver. They hadn't won in Denver since 2006. It was a guaranteed L. So you knew losing in Utah and then losing in Denver after the OKC game, it was going to be disaster talk. Disaster talk up the wazoo. So that Utah win was huge. If you actually cared about the team. And then this Denver game, there's no Joker. There's no Aaron Gordon. And now you know it's a trap game. It's the second night of a back-to-back. Everyone is looking at the roster and they're saying, oh, you're supposed to win this game. Oh, yeah? Al Sway, this team's supposed to be bad. That's what you say all day on Twitter. That's what the media making fun of the Knicks all the time, laughing at them. Ah, 145 points. You looking at these NBA scores? 
The Nets got walloped by 150. Not by 150, but they gave up 150 points. You don't hear people talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now I'm exaggerating. It was too much. The Knicks scored 135. It wasn't like they got blown out. Yes, they gave up too many points. Yes, the defense was terrible. Yes, SGA murdered the Knicks. Yes, make it a big deal. The loss at home. But now you're hearing, oh, maybe OKC is pretty good. Look, they only they almost beat Boston on the second night of a back-to-back. They beat the Wizards, who have been playing well. By the way, I think the Knicks are one game behind the Wizards in the standing. So the Wizards are playing well, but the Knicks are a disaster. The Wizards are outperforming their expectations, but the Knicks, nah, they're not. Ridiculous. Not even one game. Tied. Tied. Not going to make this a big thing about the Wizards, but the OKC is not some bum team. They're not the bum team that you think they are. They're not the tanking team you want them to be. They're out here trying to beat people's ass every day. Yes, it's a bad loss at home, but everybody knows if you don't know by now, the teams come here trying to show out every single time. And when the Knicks don't come with the right intensity, the right strategy, and the right schemes, they're going to get smacked around. And the fact that the Knicks didn't get blown out in that game, but instead just lost by 10 when they gave up 145 to me, it's not the end of the world, but people try to make it like it was the end of the world. Frustrating, to be sure. Sure, all right. But the Knicks also went to Minnesota and won that game. But because Minnesota's not as good as people thought they were, and Gobert didn't play, that game didn't count. They go into Utah, and they beat Utah. That game doesn't count. Then they go into Denver, and they beat Denver. Their first home loss for both of those two teams. Neither of those games count because Joker didn't play. Okay, Joker didn't play. So what? Gordon didn't play. So what? If they lost, it would have been a disaster, right? They had to actually pull it out. Jamal Murray's a bum all of a sudden. MPJ's a bum all of a sudden. Twitter was ablaze with all of the Kevin Knox over MPJ uh, memes because everybody knows the Knicks passed up on every NBA All-Star in, in the draft at some point in time. I'm frustrated over that Kevin Knox drafting too. Don't get me wrong. But all of a sudden, MPJ is, is an All-Star before the game. He's... Uh, can't miss prospect before the game. The Knicks are bum and bums and trash because they didn't trade, they didn't draft him before the game. But then in the game, oh, they didn't have Joker, so it doesn't count. What? Give them credit where credit is due. But you know what? Don't overdo it on either end. They're still not a great team. They're not gonna be a great team if they finish even a game over five hundred. Give Tibbs coach of the year. They're not as talented as the rest of the teams in the league. Wake up. What do you want from them? If you want to have a conversation about where the Knicks are as a franchise, you should have had it in the offseason. What are you going to have it now for? They knew what this team was. They were trying to trade after Russell to get Donovan Mitchell. Didn't work out. But guess what? Donovan Mitchell's sitting at 8-6 and six right now. With a better Cleveland Cavalier team. You sitting here worried about the Knicks at 8-7. Eight and, at eight and seven. Are you serious? You guys need a little bit more perspective. You want a championship team. I get it. But you know what? You're not going to be a championship team tomorrow. This is the Floyd roster. We all knew it. They know it. You're looking for specific things every day. You're looking for specific things. In this game last night, you saw a lot of good things out of this game. Look at the game Julius Randle had. Knicks fans have been waiting for a game like this for years. Even when he had his, his uh, great season in 2020, he didn't play like that defensively. I was making fun of that energy and effort as fake energy and effort because he always just reaches and fouls people at some point. And he's lucky he didn't get a goal for a foul for some of those steals yesterday. But you know what? 
that energy and effort that he's lacking most nights that actually cost the Knicks. Every Knicks fan on Twitter is 100% right in their criticism of Julius Randle. I don't care how much of a hater they are. Because that energy and effort you saw last night is what every Knicks fan has been waiting to see from him because they've seen it in spurts. Very short spurts. They know what he's capable of athletically and physically. And you saw it last night in that Denver game. To see him go out there and put his heart on the line for that victory warmed my heart as a Knicks fan. And other Knicks fans should see it exactly the same way. I knew he was sucking wind. If you were watching the broadcast, you saw him come to the bench. He was damn near hyperventilating. He laid it on the line last night, and you saw his teammates. Look at my Twitter. You saw his teammates. They appreciated every aspect of it. And you should too, because that's what Nick fans want to see. They want to see that. That's how you do it. Every single night. Now, you probably won't, and you'll be mad at him the next game. And I'll be, I'll be right there with you. But he did it last night in that game. Give him credit. Because they don't win that game without his heart and his effort. They started that game all there without 9-2 at some point. You knew it was going to be a long night. Second night of a back-to-back. Don't forget it. It's hard. You heard Wally Zerbiak saying, hey, that's probably the hardest back-to-back there is in the league. Going from Utah to Denver. Because of the altitude. And they looked real bad. R.J. Barrett, we'll talk about him. He was trash. He started the game off 0 for 3 in the first two minutes of the game. Man, if you're sick, calm down. Why are you shooting like that? Out here walking around with cooties, giving cooties to the whole team. Julius Randle said he's sick too. He's spreading cooties out the whole team. And he comes out, and you're shooting 0 for 3 in the first two minutes of the game? Are you out of your mind? What is his problem? I'm not a. I'm not an R.J. hater. Not by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not. But to see him come out shooting like that and to shoot terribly. And then find out you're sick. You're sick. And you're shooting like that. Be for real. Jalen Brunson in that Utah game, before we forget it, he won that game. He won that game. You saw R.J. Barrett walk up to him, gave him the game ball, say something, basically the same thing that Knicks, Knicks were saying to, Nick teammates were saying to Julius last night, that you did this. And you love seeing that as a fan, seeing the players actually respect the contributions from a guy who really carried them to victory. And I don't want it to be underscored before I move on to this Denver game, the effect that Jalen Brunson had in that game. Don't dismiss it. All the people who criticize the move, they shouldn't bring him in, blah, 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 blah. Whatever basketball reason you thought you had for Julius, for, I'm sorry, Jalen Brunson coming to the Knicks, it was wrong. It was wrong. Oh, the Knicks are not going to be that much better with with, uh, Jalen, so you bring him in. The Knicks haven't had a point guard like this ever since Walt Clyde Frazier. Stephon Marbury wasn't even this good. He was all showing stats. He wasn't a solid player the way way Jalen Brunson is. The Knicks are supposed to pass on Jalen Brunson because the roster isn't ready to compete for a championship. But you didn't want them to pass on Donovan Mitchell though, right? The roster would have been worse off. And they still wouldn't have been able to compete for a championship. Yes, I know Donovan is better. But right now, Donovan is 8-6. Okay? 
He's eight and six right now. The Knicks are eight and seven. Is he that much better? Yes, it's early. Yes, the Cavs are going to be better as the season goes on because they are a better team, not just because Donovan Mitchell is there. That's why that trade didn't make sense for the Knicks. Not because that's not why signing Brunson didn't make sense. That's why trading all of those picks and all of those assets didn't make sense because you weren't going to be better just because Donovan was here because the roster as it was currently constructed was not a championship roster. But to bring in Brunson, well, you didn't have to give up anything but money. And don't tell me about the second round picks and the first getting rid of uh, Burks and this guy, whatever. Bringing in a guy who wanted to be here, had the heart and the game to succeed. He's been responsible for pretty much every win the Knicks have had. Look at his stats. 20 points per game on 49% shooting. He's been shooting over 50% for most of the year. Oh, he can't shoot. He's only shooting 30%. Yeah, he's only shooting 30%. Okay, criticize him. Go ahead. You know you know what Trey Young is shooting right now? 30%. You want to talk about it? Do you feel like Jalen Brunson is going to be a 30% three-point shooter? When Jalen Brunson shoots, it feels like it's going to go in. He doesn't shoot a ton of threes. To me, it feels like it's going to go in. I'm, I'm confident down the stretch when he gets an open three-point shot. Are you? I don't think he's going to be a 30% three-point shooter. He's gonna. I think he's going to be closer to 35%. Maybe that's not great. But if he's shooting 50% from the field and he's averaging seven assists and four rebounds and a steal, what are you complaining about? He's getting to the line five times a game. He's shooting 88%. What do you want? What do you want? This, is a, this guy's a Nick through and through, and he got the heart to make plays down the stretch. Not like half the guys that come in here who choke it up every single time. You mad at the Brunson signing right now because the roster isn't ready to compete for a championship, so that means you don't sign a free agent who's everything that you wanted forever? He won that game in Utah. He won that game in Utah. Be serious. And be happy he's on the team. This guy had 25 points in that game on the road. Torching Mike Conley. Torching him. 25 points, 10 of 20. Yeah, 1 of 4 from 3. Yes, yeah, terrible. Yes, yes. 4 of 4 from the line. 8 assists. Come on. You still, you still sitting around complaining about Jalen Brunson? No, the team is not ready to win anything big right now, but they might be competing for the playoffs. What else would you want? That's what people said Donovan would do with this team. That's all you're looking for with this team right now, and you need Jalen Brunson to get there. But now you got Nick Finn is talking about, oh, the Knicks should be tanking. They shouldn't have signed Brunson. They should be tanking. You should pass on a guy like this? Really? Really? This He saved that game. You had a ner- another terrible outing for R.J. Barrett. It's supposed to be sick. I believe it. I'm just sick of it. Be sick and stop shooting, man. They don't need you to shoot like that. You sick? 3 of 18 in the game. Miraculously, he was only a minus. Actually, he was a plus 3 in the game. I don't know how. I don't. Let me be honest with you. 
Maybe it was the free throws, but he was only shooting 57% from the line. Didn't shoot well. Was worse in the Denver game. But Julius was a minus 12. By far, by far the worst on the team. By far the worst on the team. And he was 5 of 11 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. Not terrible from 3. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. But minus 12. I think RJ's only a, a plus 3. I think he's a plus 3 because he played with the second unit more. Because the first unit wasn't doing much. If you look at Hardenstein, he's a plus 6. Cam is a minus 7. And Cam is usually not in the minus. Brunson is obviously a plus 9. Randall's a minus 12, even though he was on the floor when Brunson closed the game out. But as you know, Obi was having a good game, and he was responsible, well, partly responsible for the run the Knicks were going on to get themselves back into the game and get them a nice little lead. And then, you know, Nutty Tibbs pulled Obi out of the game. It was weird. And I understand why Tibbs only, I mean, I understand why Obi only plays 20 minutes a game. I get it. I want him to play more too. I want him to be more creative about him playing. He needs to play RJ less in games like this. Play RJ, play, play OB at shooting guard if you have to. I saw somebody say it. When RJ's playing like that, there's no sense of having him on the floor. He's not a defensive stopper. Then what are you even doing? He's not creating offense for anyone right now. RJ's playing selfishly right now. The way he shot last night was out of was was out of order. You're sick and you're out there shooting the ball like that. The same thing in this game, you're not giving the Knicks enough on the offense or the defensive end. You're not going to lose a lot with Obi as shooting guard because Obi is a lot of switching on the screens the Knicks are doing. He does. He's very good at, he's getting better at the hedge and recover. They probably weren't going to target him. If Clarkson is the guy you're worried about, then go put somebody else on Clarkson then. I'd much rather have Obi struggle at shooting guard than see RJ shooting like that. You got to find Obi minutes. I get it. And taking Obi out of the game last in that Utah game, I didn't like it. I got it, but I didn't like it because there are things that Julius is going to do that Obi cannot. The I'm not going to say the best of Julius, but high end Julius does things that Obi doesn't do. He doesn't have the strength and physicality. That's needed down the stretch of games. So I get why he gets put back in the game. But when he gets put back in the game, he can't be the lazy Julius. He has to be the Julius you saw in Denver last night because that makes up for what he doesn't. Because that's what Obi gives you. He gives you energy. He gives you transition. If Julius goes out there low energy and he's replacing Obi, it's a downer. It's just a downer. It's a downer for the team. But I get, I kind of get what Tibbs is seeing, but it, it was definitely on display in that game how much he favors Randall, even when Randall's not playing great. Because you know Tibbs knows the net rating. He knows that Randall's a minus 12 in the game, and he still goes with him down the stretch. But what you see from Tibbs is a little bit of fairness because he closed a game last night in Denver with the small lineup with Randall at center and Obi still playing down the stretch. Even though Obi, who was playing decently, he had bricked a, a wide, wasn't a wide open shot, but he bricked a shot down the stretch. It would have been a big shot for the Knicks. It would have been real easy for them to pull him out of the game 
But nah, you stuck with him. He was there at the end of the game, down the stretch. So one game where Obi probably thought he should have stayed and played the rest of the game, and then the very next night, he's there at the end. And I think that's why these players actually like Tibbs, unlike what most of you think. The reputation that Tibbs has as being a coach that players hate, it was never earned. He might have had a run-in with a player here and there, but he's sitting on a roster with Derrick Rose and for years had had uh, ex-players on his roster simply because they wanted to play with him. And you're seeing that, you're seeing that with these guys. They want to play with him. They want to play for him. And of course, they're going to be mad when they're not playing when they want to play. And they want to, they feel like they're having a good game and they get pulled out. Of course, there are too many guys here who are on the same level in terms of impact on the court. And the guys who have the worst impact on the court, frankly, are the high volume guys. And that's RG, RJ Barrett and... Julius Randle. Okay, everyone else, they don't have the same kind of volume. They're not bringing the same volume to the table that those guys are bringing. And I'm not going to get into it. It's not really a debate because whatever you're going to say about what kind of volume those guys could have if they played more, I'd probably agree with you. Except I don't believe that Obi can do some of the things that Randle does in terms of physicality. It's just that that physicality is not always prevalent in Julius's game but you've seen it in the last two games you've seen it actually in a few of the games but you saw it more in the last two games you saw it more in the last two games he carried the Knicks in the first quarter of that Denver game carried them he's taking shots that I didn't even want him to take he still takes silly shots he just takes less of them and he carried the Knicks in that first quarter of that game I told you, Knicks were down 9-2. He drove to the basket. Drove to the basket. Didn't just drive to the middle of the lane and put up a little fadeaway. He drove to the front of the rim and finished and won. And that's something I was talking about. I was debating somebody. Not really a debate. But I made a comment to someone on Twitter. The spacing of Mitchell Robinson when he was healthy is not the reason why Julius Randle can't get to the front of the rim. Because R.J. Barrett is getting to the front of the rim. Brunson's getting to the front of the rim. So what's your problem? And their response was that Julius has more shots at the front of the rim than the two of them. It's not from driving off the dribble to the front of the rim. I can guarantee you that. Show me the stat otherwise. It's not. He needs to do that more often. He needs to put his head down and get by people. As a matter of fact, in the last show, I told you that's exactly what he doesn't do at the three-point line. When, when people do come out to contest him, he just still shoots it over them instead of putting his, his head down and driving by him. His shot selection is still suspect, but it's not as bad as it was last year. He's not taking the silly mid-ranges like he did last year. He still takes him, though. Had MPJ on him, and instead of putting him in a torture chamber and putting him in front of the rim, he just bailed him out and took a fadeaway, and he ended up getting a foul call on it. Those are the shots that he needs to cut out. You got the ball, three-point line, and somebody comes out, attack him. Attack him. That's when the Knicks go into these spurts. That's the problem with the first unit. And that's why Randall ends up in a negative so much outside of his defensive struggles and the lack of intensity that you see too often. When he does get opportunities created for him, just because it's a kickout off a rotating defense, that doesn't mean you have to shoot it. You shoot 30% from three. Even last night, I think he was 3 of 10 from three-point line. 
The Knicks don't need Julius Randle to shoot 10 threes. They don't need R.J. Barrett to shoot 10 threes. If rotating defenders are running out to you, attack the closeout. Get downhill on them. That's a better opportunity for the team. That's why the Knicks have been playing better in the second half or the fourth quarter sometimes in these last two games. Let me not say ton. Let's, let's, let's just limit it to these last two games. You have been seeing Julius Randle pull it down a little bit on the bad shots down the stretch all year long. But in these last two games, you're seeing the Knicks get to the front of the rim, mostly because of Jalen Brunson. And he's setting an example. It doesn't make sense to hoist up shots over contests down the stretch. It's not a high percentage shot. You're shooting 30% from three. Take that shot when you have to take it. Somebody comes running at you and this 10 seconds on the shot clock, seven seconds on the shot clock, put the ball down, drive by him and get to the front of the rim. And you've seen Julius be in the paint more in the fourth quarter. You've seen him be on the offensive boards more in the fourth quarter. You've seen him get fouled more in the fourth quarter. You've seen the shot selection be a lot better in the fourth quarter. But throughout the game, in the third and first quarters, he tends to be a little too aggressive with bad shots. That puts the team in a negative. It sucks the energy out of the room, and you're not giving enough intensity on defense, and you're now you're in secondary transition all the time. Because you're taking bad shots, long rebounds, and, and you're running back. You're not getting a chance to really set your defense. There's a lot of cross-matching going on for most teams, but especially the Knicks. Getting yourself in tight spots because you took a bad shot. Don't do it. Well, when he plays with the second unit at the end of the second quarter and a lot of times in the fourth quarter this year, he's pulled it down. He's had a little bit more understanding and savvy. But statistically, the Knicks are still a better team when Randall's down on the court. And people have to understand, first of all, that's relevant. Pregnant pause is relevant. But at the same time, you can't sustain, the Knicks cannot sustain themselves without Randall playing. Not right now. The worst of Randall? Yes, they can. Average Randall? They're going to lose more games. And don't give me that, well, I don't care if they lose games. They want them to tank. If, this, is not, this is not for you. I'm talking about people who want them to actually win games. Okay? When Julius is taking bad shots and he's not giving you energy, you're going to be in a minus. When he's giving you moderate energy and being a little bit more conservative in his shooting, they play better. Then you start getting into the minuses with R.J. Barrett, who's the other problem. Because he's shooting terribly. And he's hurting the first unit. You saw the bench have a 10-point turnaround when they came in. Derrick Rose, who some people think are not is not playing well. He's playing fine. He's not playing that many minutes. Yeah, he had a little bad spell for a couple games, but he's been playing fine. He's been a plus for the Knicks. Last two games, he's come in with quickly, together. It was a 10-point turnaround in that second quarter when they stepped foot on the floor. They continue to be a plus on this team. They might struggle here and there, but they've been a plus on this team all season long. But just when you think that Obi Toppin's going to ride it out, 
for the rest of the quarter. Here comes Randall. Seven minute mark. Not even a five minute mark. Not even a five minute mark. Come on. I'll tell you another thing. We talked about Mitchell Robinson's absence in the last episode. Jericho Sims, these last two games, has been magnificent. I talked about him a little bit in the preseason. I didn't see the same signs from him earlier in the year in the preseason, especially when he was playing, that I saw from him at the end of last season, where it seemed like there was a lot of growth in some of the things that he didn't do well. I saw a little regression in the preseason, but not now, boy. And don't look now. He's playing a little bit better than Hardenstein is. And in fairness to Hardenstein, this has nothing to do with where Sims is playing a little bit better than him at. But it's true. There was a little story on Twitter yesterday where his girlfriend apparently said in the TikTok that the Knicks don't know how to use him and the Clippers knew how to use him. I don't know what she said, but she came out and said that that was a a lie. That she didn't say it. It's not a lie because it's not true. It is true. And that's... That's a criticism on on Thibodeau, let's be fair. And we talked about this in the preseason. You know what he can do. He's he's never in the high post anymore. He's never in the high post. He's never a passer. What is the point of that? And the Knicks scoring is relatively fine right now. So as much as people want to criticize them for their efficiency and their field goal percentage or whatever it is, they're scoring pretty fine right now. But it would be nice if you utilize his skills instead of just having him running around and setting picks for everybody and hoping he plays good defense. But back to Jericho, the way he's been playing defense on drop coverage, they didn't they it was some drop coverage last last night in that game and in the Utah game. You didn't see a ton of screen action, so you didn't see a ton of drop coverage. You saw it a little bit. You saw a lot of switches. It looked like to me the Knicks were doing a lot more switches last night. You need to look at the stats. It looked like they did a lot more hedge and recover last night than they had been doing before. I got to look at those stats because you know this is something I've been harping on. They definitely switched and had some mismatches down low and did some scramble switches to get out of them or just live with it. And there was one mismatch where Najee got Cam in the post and just worked them. That's fine. Cam has been great defensively. Not going to get into it in this show. We've been talking about it ad nauseum. Led the team in minutes last night. And I will say this. As much as Tom Thibodeau got criticized for not playing Cam and not playing the young players, you know he played Grimes last year. And so Grimes got hurt. You knew he had big plans for Grimes this year. He didn't play Cam. Cam earned his spot in the rotation and is now stealing spots, uh, stealing time from Grimes. You can't say Tom Thibodeau is not fair to these young guys. Cam worked with the Knicks in the offseason. He worked hard. Tom Thibodeau's been talking about it in the press conferences. He saw it. He's been working hard in practice. Cam is an offensive player, and he's playing because of his defense. Because of his defense, he's playing. He's fair. I'm not saying he's, he's without his flaws, but he is fair. He earned his spot in the rotation. Stop talking about him not playing young players. He has a full roster of guys who are evenly talented. He's trying to find the right mix of guys. You may not agree with it all the time. I don't agree with it all the time. But for the most part, he's kind of in the right range. He's kind of in the right range. My issue in the offseason with Sims when they signed Mitchell Robinson, why do you have Sims there if you're going to sign Mitchell and sign Hardenstein? 
when is Sims going to play? It was really, to me, it was a cock block move, and I hate cock block moves. I hate it. Just like Kemba was a cock block move for quickly. I'm not going to say Brunson was because I really don't think quickly is a starting point guard for this team, but he is he is a guard that needs to play 30 minutes. I've talked about that ad nauseum. If you want to look at listen to old episodes and listen to how I feel about quickly being the main the main ball handler on on your offense, but he needs to be on the floor because of everything else he's done. He's done, and I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about what he did last night defensively and just all, all around floor game. Didn't see the high assist, didn't see the high numbers, but his floor game again just magnificent, and his defense was just off the charts all night long. There's a breakdown. I think I retweeted on uh, on Twitter. Go check it out. He's got to play as many minutes as possible. Having Fournier out the rotation helps with that. The only way he gets more minutes is if something happens with Derek. But Derek is giving the Knicks something too. Quite honestly, the only answer to the rotation to to the guys that need to play right now is to play RJ less and to play Randall less. Especially when RJ is not playing tremendously. Play him less. He was. There was no reason to have him in the game as much as he was yesterday. No reason. No reason. And I know it was the second night of a back-to-back, and maybe guys are tired. You didn't want to overwork dudes down the stretch. He was in early in the fourth quarter, and you're wondering why. And then it eventually dawned on me that he's not going to play down the stretch. That Tom Thibodeau already made that decision, and he pulled him right around the eight-minute mark, I believe. You understand? So... To me, that's how you get quickly a couple more minutes. That's how you get Cam is already at 37 minutes. He played 37 minutes last night. 37 minutes. Played 33 minutes the night before. Be fair. If you want to criticize him for not playing them before, just say what you're going to say now. Oh, he's not using them right. Well, everybody can't get shots. RJ Barrett is already playing selfishly because he's not getting enough shots. He's been some selfish plays from RJ on the court, and it's driving me nuts. And I understand, not a, not a lot of shots go, to go around in that first unit, especially, I told you, Randall's taking silly shots when he, when he starts the game. RJ's not seeing the ball in, in positions that he wants to see it in. Thibodeau understands that, so he started playing RJ with the second unit for a couple of minutes, but then in that second unit, he gets wild selfish. Passed up on IQ down the stretch of the quarter, Wide open for four, like three, four seconds. And no reason not to throw that ball as soon as he saw it. He's been passing on people all year long. All year long. The, the overall vision on this team for cutters is not good. Other teams make those passes. The Knicks don't have intuitive passers on this team. Even IQ, who I think has been playing very well and talked about it, he is not a very intuitive passer. There are guys open. There are guys are mismatches. There are passes there that he's not making. There's some passes there that he is, but there's some passes there that he's not making. He's just looking off opportunities sometimes. But then he makes a three-quarters court pass that's on the money, and you're like, oh, that's amazing. An alley-oop, left-hand dribble into an alley-oop without touching it with the right hand, absolutely beautiful. But then you'll see Obi open on the cut, and you see him look that way, and then look another way. It's like, huh? Not a lot of intuitive passes. There was a play last night down the stretch where Brunson cut down the middle of the lane, a good solid pass. Brunson would have had the ball deep in the paint, 
and you got to trust his decision making there. They end up scoring on the possession, but still, you're not going to change that. This is your roster. This is what you guys don't understand. This is the roster. They may make some trades in the next few weeks. Randall might get traded. This guy might be trading or open something up. You might lose your favorite player because everyone got a favorite player on the team. Don't think the Knicks don't know they're not good enough to win a championship. But please understand that they're putting a product out there. As a fan, you should be happy and entertained with what you're seeing as opposed, when they're winning. As opposed to rooting for them to lose because you want to win five years from now. You're going to complain five years from now. Are you going to complain throughout this entire process? You're seeing nonsense from the media too. Brian Scalabrini, who I like, he has a show with Frank Isola in the morning on NBA radio. They spent a whole day, of course, talking about the Knicks blowout loss in Oklahoma City. And it's a come to Jesus moment for the Knicks. People being all dramatic, 14 games into the season, whatever it was at the time, 13 games into the season. Be serious. I'm not talking about this with any other team. The Knicks are sitting eighth in the conference right now. What do you want from this team? You talk all day about that 145 points against Oklahoma City, but then they beat Denver and Utah, and you're calling them meaningless games. I'll give you Denver. I'll give you Denver because objectively there is no joker. Utah was not a meaningless game. That's a good win. It's only meaningless because you don't think they can win a championship, but you're not grading everyone else on those on those uh, prospects. You're just looking at them and saying, oh, talking about them, analyzing them. Everything about the Knicks is a joke. They're out there competing. Give them credit. They have the point guard of the future. They're looking for everything else, and they have the assets and they have parts and they may be able to bring it in. Boy, they can bring SGA in. It's going to cost everything. It's going to cost the universe. The difference between bringing SGA in and maybe another superstar is not only is it going to cost your draft picks, but it's probably it probably means Randall goes and Fournier goes. That was a difference with the Donovan trade. Because Donovan coming here with Randall and RJ, and there was one deal where RJ would go in that deal too. But most of those deals didn't include RJ. That's not a championship team. You got to move Randall and you'd have to attach an asset to move him. But, oh wait, you don't have any more assets because you traded them for Donovan. So that means you probably would have had to ride Julius Randall out unless Julius Randall balled all the way out. And I think we know who Julius is right now. I think we have a good idea who he is. And at him being a 30% shooter and shooting that many threes limits his trade value. He's got to raise that up or he has to shoot less threes and be more efficient with the shots he gets. No assets to attach to Julius Randle and having Donovan Mitchell means that you're, you're cap strapped with a team that has no bench and no assets that's probably going to be in the same place this team is, a little bit over 500. A 500 team, I'll give Donovan a couple more wins. That's it. That's it. Right now, you have your assets, you have your players. If Julius Randle continues to play decently, maybe you don't have to send as much with him if you trade him. In a, in a trade for SGA, best believe that Julius Randle's going in that deal. 
Danny Ainge put his foot down on that, but I don't think the Knicks are bringing in SGA and not trading Randall. That automatically makes the deal better because now you might be able to build a championship team because you're not cap-strapped with a player who has negative value on the roster. We're going to talk about R.J. Barrett right now because he might become that player, but not as bad as Randall right now. I'd be much more willing to put that package together for SGA. But that's not what the team is right now. You know they want a superstar. You know they want to rebuild. And until then, they're going to put a decent product on the floor. They're not going to all-out tank. And guess what? There's not a team in the league right now that's all-out tanking. Even the Pistons with their piss-poor record or the Lakers, they're not tanking. The Lakers don't have their pick. They screwed that off. Detroit wants to win. They're playing all their best players. Cade is hurt now. Who knows if that's a legitimate injury or not. Ivy's playing, though. Isaiah Stewart is hurt. You might start seeing some tanking from Detroit coming pretty soon. But they didn't come into the season tanking. Remember, they're supposed to be better than the Knicks. Nobody's tanking right now. Look at the Eastern Conference standing. Don't just be a fan of your team. Have some perspective. None of those teams are going to win a championship unless their name is Milwaukee or Boston. And they might have a couple superstars in their roster, but some of those stars are flawed. You want to look at Trey Young's stats right now? Everybody, that's that's your franchise? LaMelo Ball's hurt right now. There's rumors that he Charlotte might not be in love with him and his teammates might not be in love with him. DeRozan, Levine in Chicago, struggling. Philly, struggling. The Nets, disaster. What do you want from this team? I'm not going to tell you to be patient. I'm going to tell you to look at them night to night and grade them on the proper scale. Not on, they're not the Boston Celtics scale. Is Tibbs maximizing his roster? Are the players getting better? You don't trust the front office, that's fine. Wait till mid-December, wait till the trade deadline and see what happens. On that note, big win for Denver in Denver, in Utah. They played the struggling Golden State Warriors. I had a problem even voicing those two words together, struggling and Warriors. The Knicks will lose this game <laughs> because the Warriors are 6-1 and one at home. They struggle on the road. Ain't no way the Knicks win this game. I might not even watch it. But I'm lying. I'll watch it. I'll be on Twitter, live tweeting during the game. Come check us out and make sure you go to sportsethos.com. Make sure you go to at sportsethos and at ethosnicks. Come visit, come like, come follow. Until next time.